Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To that show How's everybody doing? Did you have a good week? Ooh, did you see the crazy, crazy, shocking, world, earth-shattering upset in boxing this weekend? Did you watch any NBA playoffs? Did you see anything crazy? Look, I'll be honest with y'all, man. The, the, I'm here today to talk about the Canelo fight. I'm just going to be brutally honest. I'm here to talk about the Canelo fight. If you're not a fan of boxing, if you're not a fan of Canelo, if you don't want to hear my two cents on how I feel about the, that fight and, and his career going forward, turn it off right now. That's going to be about 90% of the show. Okay? Look, I got other stuff to talk about. I got some quick kids. I got some other stuff. But let me tell you something. I'm not as passionate about any of that stuff as I am about this Canelo thing. Now, I do have opinions on all this stuff. Don't get me wrong. Right? I'm not going to shortchange you. I'm not going to talk about something that eh, I don't really care. I'm just going to blah, 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 spit out some information or whatever, or copy someone else's format, whatever. Like, we got to go through the formalities, right? We call it quick kits for a reason because I want to give you a quick little blip. You know, <laughs> don't want to dive too deep into it. You know, just want to give you a little, a little thought, a little, you know, perspective on something. But what we're really going to dive into today, to be completely honest with you, it's a Canelo fight. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a, there's a lot of fallout from that that, for me, is super interesting. But let's get in some quick hits. Oh, wait. Oh, hold up. <laughs> I'm so excited, right? I'm so excited to talk about this Canelo stuff. I forgot to intro this thing. Welcome back, Cyber Family. How you doing? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! As you can tell, us at, uh, all of us at Trash Can Studios are really pumped up to talk about Canelo. But let's get into those quick hits. Quick hits! Quick hits! So over the weekend uh, in, in Dallas, the Mavericks and Suns series uh, had an interesting uh, thing happen. A fan was escorted from the game, apparently got into some altercation with uh, uh, members of CP3's family, Chris Paul's family, who were at the game. Apparently things got a little touchy and people were putting hands on each other. Chris Paul went crazy. The young kid looked like a young kid, looked like he couldn't be older than 16, 17 years old, if that got escorted out of the game. And here's here's what I want to talk about. First of all, fans are getting a little crazy. Some fans are just crazy. You pay a lot of money for those tickets, okay? But that doesn't mean you have the right to just say and do whatever you want to somebody. At the end of the day, that's a man, okay? And at the end of the day, you was talking to his family. Yo, a, a scenario, scenario time, right? Fans, if you want to get someone's attention, just be kind. Imagine if that fan had been nice to his parents or CP3's mom, had been nice to his family, was super cool. You could trash talk, go back and forth, ask some questions. You never know what type of relationship that could have built, right? If you're a fan and you go to a game and you realize you're sitting next to someone's family member, be super nice to them. Look out for them. Be courteous. Give them whatever they need. Like, you know what I mean? Razz them a little bit about their team or whatever, but don't be disrespectful. At the end of the day, you ain't on the court. So you could trash talk all you want to, but you ain't there. 
Okay, you are in the stands to cheer, to boo, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're going to talk crazy to these players or their family, just understand those are people. The same way that if someone came up to you at your job and started talking crazy to you, you might put hands on somebody and you'd be right to. And they'd be right to as well. Just because you pay money for those tickets don't mean they have to bow down to you and, and, and take whatever, whatever you're willing to dish out. If you're going to talk crazy, somebody might check you. And that's warranted. Secondly, you pay a lot. Where he was sitting right behind the bench, bro, those tickets had to be outrageous money. And you got kicked out? You're an idiot. Fans, be smarter, okay? You're supposed to go to the game to enjoy the game. Root for your team, cheer for your team, boo the other team. Do all that stuff. You don't have to get disrespectful to the point you need to be escorted out the building. That's taking it too far. Hopefully that kid learns his lesson. Also, another thing I noticed this week is that after every game... Right? The media seems to be so overhyped and singing someone's praises or so concerned about the other team that lost. It's like, guys, do our emotions need to, 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 to rise and fall with every single game? Look, it's a series. It's a best of seven series. If a team goes down 2-0, I'm not panicking. If a team is down 3-1, I'm still not panicking. Chances are you're probably going to lose. But still, it's like, yo, things can change. So a team goes up 3-1. The, te- the, 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 the team that's down wins game five, forces a game six. And so now it's 3-2 and everyone was like, oh, are they going to make the comeback? Like, relax. Relax. Everything's okay. Mavs tied up the series 2-2. Everyone's going crazy. Are the Suns done? Is Chris Paul done? He Listen, he played bad. He did. He had two really bad games back-to-back. Fouled out on Sunday. It was a bad look. But then guess what? They come back last night. They win. They're up 3-2 right where they need to be. You know what I'm saying? Relax. We don't need to go up and down with every single game. I understand you got airspace to fill, but can we be a little more realistic? The world's not falling. Uh, things aren't falling apart. People aren't the greatest ever. People aren't the worst ever. Like, it's a series. Let it play out. As you see it go, you can kind of get an idea. You don't need to go all in or all out after every game. So, James Harden over the weekend had a 30-point explosion. Woo! And the conversation on Monday was, is James Harden back? Is he back to his old self? And I'm going to sit there and tell you, the fact that we're asking, is he back to his old self, is a problem in itself. Okay? If you're the Nets and you traded for this guy, this is where he wanted to be. What I don't understand, okay, is he's there. He wanted to go to Philly for a chance to win a chip. He wanted to play with Embiid. He wanted that stage. He wanted that. And he looks like he don't want to be there. He's not assertive. Yo, the dude last night had 14 points and a 120 to 85 loss to Miami. Dude, you was getting washed. Your team was getting smashed and he took 13 shots. What? Bro, you're James Harden. Why aren't you attempting more shots in a game like that where they, you guys need a spark? You're not attempting no threes. You're going to shoot five of 13 and that's it. You're just going to call it quits. You're not going to do more. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even see him trying to do more. He just seemed like he's content with just being out there. What's the difference between him and Kyle Lowry in the series? Nada. Other than a name and a brand that you think Harden is this. Oh, the ill step back. Oh, he's so great. He ain't doing, he's not even asserting himself. He's not even trying to be a factor. And the one time he did, he put up 30 points and was a big reason why they won that game. Just to come back the next game and not assert yourself? Dude, you have to assert yourself. You're the number two. You know what it looks like? It looks like he's pouting because Maxi, okay, is, is balling his ass off. And it looks like they people are favoring him more. And like, yo, we don't really worry about Harden. What about this Maxi kid? He's legit. And maybe, maybe behind the scenes he feels a type of way. 
But either way, you need to get it in the gear, bro. You are where you wanted to be. You forced your way to this team. They traded for you. They gave up lots of pieces for you. They need you to be assertive. They need you to go for it. And you need to stop playing so passive and go for it because you a game away from being let go, homie. You a game away from going home. Your team needs you. The city needs you. You need to at least try, make an effort, go down swinging. I don't care if you shoot four of 45. Look, at least you tried. It wasn't your night, but at least you were trying everything you could to do it. 13 shots, and you lost by damn near 30 points? Nah, can't do it. Whew. Vaughn Miller <laughs> tweeted out a picture of him and Micah Parsons with the caption that said, almost, implying that he almost signed with the Cowboys and was almost running mates with Micah Parsons. My question is this, why? What's the point of that? Who does that benefit? Does that benefit you? You just signed with a new team, and you're on social media talking about, I almost went here, but I ended up going there. So what was what was the deciding factor? Money? So we just paid you all this money, you don't even really want to be here? And look, I'll be honest, as a Cowboys fan, I don't want nothing to do with Vaughn Miller. Before last season, actually before the end of last season, I think we were all thinking the same thing. Vaughn Miller's pretty washed. It's over for him. He's on the backside. He's a little older. He ain't got much more time left, right? Now he's going somewhere. He signed a six-year deal, 100-something million dollars, 45 a day of signing, 50-something guaranteed. No thanks. Don't want no part of that. As a team, I don't want no part of that. You get all that money, and then what? Nah, 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 nah. No thanks. So almost, I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it stayed just almost, and you ain't actually coming. I'm glad they didn't do that. No thanks. Stick with the young guys. Build that way. You're good now and later. And if you're not good now, you have the flexibility to try to make it better. You're not selling out for one guy who might fall apart in one year anyway. I like the move. That's it for quick hits. So this could have been... Look, man, I'm going to try to get through this because I I really want to talk about Canelo. But I I have some other thoughts going on that I can't get out of my head. And I'd I'd feel bad if I had to go the whole week without talking about it. So let me just say, uh, the Boston Celtics lost a tough um, game in Milwaukee where they had a chance late. Some people think that uh, Marcus Smart should have got credited for attempting the three. They called it a foul on the floor. He only got two free throws. He had to miss a second. Horford tipped it in, but it was like a tenth of a second late. Tough loss. But that team, Boston, is tough, man. And they come out the next night and and, and, and just absolutely, they just, like, they, they're a tough team, man. And I got to say, man, Al Horford is such a consistent player that, like, yeah, the last two games he's kind of overperformed, which you would expect. But if nothing else, he's, he's a solid player who's going to play hard. And kind of in contrast to what Harden is doing in, in Philly, where you feel like he's kind of not really into it, Al Horford seems like he's given everything he's got. He's not the best player. He's not the most skilled player. But damn, he plays hard, man. So I think, I just think that alone to me says that's exactly why they got him on the roster. That's why that guy is going to have a, a spot on a bench as long as he wants. He plays hard. And the whole team plays hard. And and a lot like Miami, they don't seem to really panic. But I will say, Jason Tatum makes me nervous. There are times where I feel like he... I don't know, man. He just seems like he... he I'm not sold. I know that everyone thinks he's like a superstar. He's great, this and that. Like I, I still have doubts. I think he's a good player, but I think he has a lot of flaws. And same thing with Jalen Brown. I think everyone, like poo-poo's Jalen Brown 
and says like Jalen Brown is the problem and Tatum needs a different running mate, I think they're both about the same. Both of them could put up a great performance and both of them can kind of be like, ugh, like missing finger roll layups. <laughs> that type of thing. So I think they're tough though. I do think they're going to end up beating Milwaukee. Um, another thing I noticed in that series is Giannis takes great angles to the basket. I saw him, he banked one off the basket where it's like when he was driving to the basket, he positioned himself in such a way that he would have the right angle. And it was just impressive, man. That guy's impressive. But it's not enough, man. It's not enough. It takes a team. And last year, Milwaukee as an entire team played well. Giannis could do whatever he wants. You need a team to win a championship, and you need your team to be playing well. And you're probably going to need one or two guys off the bench who don't normally do much for you step up and do some big things in order to get a championship. Boston has that. Boston's got a lot of guys contributing, and I think that's why I like Boston to come out of the East. I talked about Chris Paul struggling. Um, I don't think Mavericks have a shot. I think they're going to lose. I think they lose game six. They lose in six games. I had Phoenix coming out of the West. Uh, I was never concerned. I mean, because look, let's talk about let's 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 put all the cards on the table. I'm gonna tell you right now, Luca Doncic, Luca, we just call him Luca. You know him as Luca. He's overrated. I said it. Luca's good. Luca is a really good basketball player. I think the fact that he's so young and he's so big, but he's so like nimble in the lane. Look, he's great inside the lane. Like, he gets his shot off, but he's big. He's a big kid, right? But he can't shoot. <laughs> Changing my notes here. Am I the only one that notices that he can't really shoot? That he can't. He shoots way too many threes, especially step-back threes. And he's going to miss most of them. He's shooting, like, a well under 40%. I think he's shooting, like, 32 33% from three for the year. Dude, you need to stop taking so many threes. I I have my doubts about Luka. I think Luka's a good player. He cries all the time. That's bad. The refs are going to get tired of that real quick. It's the playoffs. Right? You can't be crying in the playoffs. You got to understand, in the playoffs, things get a little tougher. Now, he's a big kid. He's really good inside the lane. He's really crafty on how to get his shot off. He's not the most athletic person, but he's always in control. You got to stop all those threes. You got to start asserting yourself. And, and doing what you do best, especially in these games where everything slows down and it becomes a half-court contest, there's not no time for you to be jacking up threes, especially when you ain't good at it. I don't know. I, I mean, that's it. That's all that really came across my mind this week. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes, okay? Look, Canelo versus Bivol. I have so many thoughts. I have, like, I'm looking at it right now. I have a full page of notes here. I'm going to be honest with you. First off, let me say this. I love that Canelo lost. I do. And I know that's weird to say because I'm a fan of Canelo. And it's weird to be like, what, you're happy? Your your favorite guy lost? Yeah, because for me, for me, I think you learn a lot in losses. And I think Canelo lost one other time. And I think he learned a lot that fight. I think he learned a lot when he fought Floyd. And I think everyone kind of credits Floyd for the reason why he kind of turned everything around. I don't think that was the only reason. I think fighting Arislandi Lara, I think that mattered too. I think that fight taught him a lot. I think every tough fight that he has teaches him a little bit. I think he learned a lot from the first Triple G fight. I think he learned a lot from the second Triple G fight. And I think we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think that's 
kind of where the downfall really happened for him. And when I say downfall, I don't mean he's dumb, but I mean, I've, I noticed something this weekend that I never really noticed before, but it was always there. And I think it was a problem and could continue to be a problem if he continues it. But we'll get into that in a minute. But as a fan, I love to see how people react to adversity, to difficulty, to losing. I've said it a million times. I became a Tony Romo absolute fan and supporter when after he botched the snap for the field goal in Seattle, that he stood after that game and talked to the media. Stood right there. The look on his face said, I'm devastated. I, I can't believe this has happened. I feel like crap, but I'm going to face the media. I'm going to take all the responsibility and the blame. And that's when I fell in love with him and said, this is my guy. This is my guy. So Canelo losing, and in the ring, he said, look, I thought I won the fight, but, you know, he's good, and he gave him all the credit. And even after the fight, I don't feel like he, look, a fighter in the moment is going to feel like he did enough to win. It's very rare that a fighter will come out and just say, nah, I lost. I got got my arse whooped. It's very rare that it'll happen. And in that fight, we could be honest, if it weren't Canelo versus Bivol, and Canelo wasn't hyped the way he was, it wouldn't be so important for everyone to say how dramatic of a win it should have been. I thought in the first four or five rounds, most of those were really close, and if you didn't want to, you didn't have to give it to either guy. I thought after three rounds, I had Canelo up 2-1. After four rounds, I I probably could could have seen it 3-1, I could have seen it 2-2, right? I don't think it was that crazy. Um... Because I don't think either guy was really doing too much. I don't think Bivol was doing a lot more than Pity Pat early on. He was doing a little Pity Pat, tut 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 touch. You could tell he wasn't really, you know, he was trying to figure things out like most people do. So I could see a lot of the early rounds going to Canelo on the judges' scorecards. Again, I told you last week my prediction was Canelo would win a controversial decision. Some people would think he could have lost a fight, but he's going to get the decision because he's the cash cow, he's Canelo. That's what I thought would happen. So I didn't think anybody was knocking anybody out. I didn't think Canelo was going to wash him or look incredibly impressive and make it a clear-cut victory. I didn't think Bivol would make it a clear-cut victory. I thought it would be close. And I thought that Canelo would get the nod because he's the favorite. Now, obviously, as a fan watching the fight, Canelo, in my eyes, clearly lost. But for him after the fight, I can understand why he would say, like, nah, I thought I, you know, I thought I won a lot of those rounds. Because the rounds are close, you know. If you weren't, like, as a fighter, what do, you, what do you think? Like, if he didn't hurt you and you felt like you landed the better punch, you felt like you was kind of slipping a lot. Because let's be honest, Canelo was slipping a lot of punches. Canelo wasn't getting hit clean the whole fight. He was slipping a lot, miss, catching a lot on the gloves, just like Bivol was. Bivol wasn't getting hit clean. He was catching a lot on the gloves, on the shoulders, on the arms. Those aren't scoring shots, so... Either way, you're like, all right, neither man was getting hit too clean for the most part. They were both very, very, very proficient that night on their defense. They were both on the mark. So I can understand why Canelo would say he won the fight, but I also understand why Canelo wants the rematch because I think Canelo knows that this guy was bigger than me, and and I still came out here and was able to hold my own in terms of he didn't hurt me. I was able to land some hard shots. He respected my power. But I think he knows what he could do different and next time to win. I think he knows he could beat this guy. Now, do I agree with him? You have to wait and find out. <laughs> but I love that he lost because I love the idea of seeing him have to accept that reality, have to go back to the drawing board and kind of reset 
and figure out where he wants to go from here and, and, and reestablish that hunger and kind of reestablish and, and look at just what he's been doing and is what I'm doing, what has it been working because of who my opponents are or has it been working because it's a good thing? Like, is my game plan that I've been implementing all of these fights a good game plan or is it only good against those guys? And, and, and my second thought is if you're shocked by this, that's on you. Don't don't I see all the Canelo fans coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, he thought he would. Oh, he could really beat Charlo or Benavidez. Right. Yeah. OK. He couldn't even beat Bivol. Like, oh, my God, what a shocking upset. Like, oh, he's supposed to be the greatest in the world. I guess he's not that great. I told you Canelo was trash. Like, no, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a serious question. If you're a boxing fan, serious boxing fan, do you think Jamar Charlo goes up to 175 tomorrow and beats Bivol? No, right. You don't think that. Okay, do you think Benavidez goes up to 175 tomorrow and beats Bivol? No, you don't think that either, right? So so why do you think because Canelo lost to Bivol that these guys could beat Canelo now? Listen, let me tell you something. Canelo lost nothing with this fight. This fight was literally a big nothing burger. It was literally like when Roy Jones went to fight John Ruiz at heavyweight. Like, if you lose to the heavyweight, like, we expect, like, it's going to be difficult for you. Even though Canelo was favored, every single boxing fan, every single boxer was saying, it's going to be difficult, but we think Canelo could get it done. It's going to be tough, but we think Canelo will get it done. And most of it was based on Bivol had never fought in a fight of that magnitude. So is he going to get caught up in the crowd and in the hype and in all this stuff in the lead up? Is that going to kind of get him out of his element and, and get him off his mark a little bit and slip a little bit and maybe fall into doing what Canelo wanted him to do? It was never, does, does he have the skill? 100% he has the skill to beat Canelo. 100%. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it. This, to me, was what I had been saying for a long time. Canelo has been consistently trying to move up, trying to fight bigger guys, trying to take on bigger challenges, and eventually you're going to get to a guy that's just too big. When he was talking about fighting Makabu at, um, at cruiserweight, I had said then, dude, it doesn't matter how good Makabu is. The fact that you're trying to fight a guy that's that big and that much bigger than you, like you're eventually going to run into a guy who you just can't, you're not stronger than. And you're not going to be able to break him down and beat him down. He's used to getting hit by bigger guys than you. He's used to taking punishment from guys who can dish out more than you can. Eventually, you get to a point where a guy is just too big for you. And I think what you saw on Saturday was Canelo's game plan was what his game plan has been for the past, I can't remember, since Rocky Fielding? Which was, I'm going to come in, I'm going to break you down with hard punches, hard body shots, break you down, and when you start to drop your hands, I'm going to hit you up top, and I'm just going to overpower you. And that worked for Rocky Fielding. And that worked uh, uh, for Caleb Plant. And that worked for Abney Yildrum. And that worked for Billy Joe Saunders. And that worked for Callum Smith. Like, that worked for them. That worked for Kovalev. Walk you down, walk you down, drag you late into the fight, and you're going to get a little tired, and I'm going to keep banging on you a little bit, and eventually you're going to slip just for one second, and I'm going to catch you with something, and it's over. He came out against Bivol and tried to do the same thing. Be aggressive, walk you down, hit you on the arm, boom, hit you on the arm, boom, make you hesitant to throw. And Bivol was like, no, I'm not bothered by that. Bivol had a game plan and said, this is what I do. I I don't know what you mean. A bigger guy who can box, who's smart who wasn't worried about you, and who found out really early in the fight, yeah, you hit hard, but you ain't, you're just throwing one hard punch at a time. 
And Bivol said it. He didn't. He only threw hard punches. And I know he's going to throw one hard punch and then he's going to take a deep breath. And when he takes that deep breath, I'm going to throw something back. And he just outworked him. And Canelo thought that he could break him down, break him down, break him down, take him out. And this guy was bigger and stronger and you couldn't do that to him. And when he couldn't do that to him, his adjustment was, I'm mad now and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to fight fire with fire and go harder. And then he gassed out. Look... You can't move up to 175, bro, and try to fight as if you're at 168. Like, you're putting on a lot of weight. And you're fighting a bigger guy who's putting the pressure on you, too. And every time you hit him, every time you connect, poof, whoo, little wind out of you. Every time you throw as hard as you can, boom, little wind out of you. By round seven, eight, nine, like, come on, man, you, you, running, you running low. And that's what I was saying about, I think, what happened was Canelo fell in love with being like the the predator. Like, I'm, I'm going to walk you down and be the Terminator. And I'm just going to walk through you. You can't hurt me. You're too, you know, you're too weak. You don't have, you can have all the boxing skill you want, but eventually I'm going to catch you. And when I catch you, I'm going to hurt you. And I think that that's a, that's, that's a strategy that caught up with him on Saturday. He couldn't, he tried to implement that strategy. That's what everyone said. David Benavidez before the fight said, I think Canelo's going to break him down to the body. He's going to time his one, two. He's going to hit the body. He's going to slow him down and then he's going to break him down. Right? That's what everyone thought. Bernard Hopkins said he's going to smash him. Smash him. Because everyone thought like he's going to be too strong, too overpowered. He's going to overpower this guy. And it's like he's not. Bivol is a really, really good fighter. And I'm going to say this. Bivol didn't earn my respect. He already had it. Anyone who talked to me knew that I was saying, yo, Bivol, I don't know, man. I don't know. Bivol's big. First of all, basically what he is, he's a bigger, he's a bigger Triple G. Canelo couldn't hurt Triple G. And those two fights he had, he could not hurt Triple G. So we could never keep Triple G away from trying to throw punches at him. And it caused him to work, and it caused him to be on his back foot. And Canelo had to be on high alert because he knew he could be hurt by uh, Triple G, or he had to be wary of his power because Triple G hit so hard. And so he was always playing extreme defense, trying to throw hard against Triple G, and it just wasn't going to work. Triple G wasn't going to get out of there. He was always going to be right there. And that's what made those fights so tough for Canelo. I don't like that everyone's talking about like Canelo now as if like, oh, Canelo has trouble with boxers and guys that move. Like, yeah, dummy, everyone does. Everyone does. Oscar Valdez looked like trash against Shakur Stevenson. Why? Because Shakur Stevenson is really good. So if you go up against somebody who's really, really good, like you're not going to look great. You're going to look like, oh, this guy's really good. Like, hold on now. You might have some trouble with him. That's what everybody does. It's no knock on Canelo. Canelo lost nothing in this fight. You went up in weight to a bigger guy who's really, really skilled, who is a champion, a legit champion at that weight, who's probably going to unify that division and dominate that division for as long as he wants to. But I think in a rematch, I'll hold off on my opinion on that. I love that Max Kellerman came out and he had tweeted something about uh, that the, the result wasn't a shock, that Bivol was the toughest fight for Canelo at 175. I think a lot of people uh, always assume that Canelo was kind of cherry-picking and that if Canelo picked this guy, then they must think that he's the easiest fight. It's not that it was the easiest fight. I don't think that. 
I think styles do make fights. I think Canelo was saying, if I'm going to move up to 175, I don't want to fight someone who's a devastating puncher at 175. Maybe not that one. Maybe not yet. Maybe I go fight a guy who's more of a boxer at 175, who's still really good, but I'm not so like concerned that he's just a knockout artist. Like, come on, better be Ev. 17-0, 17 knockouts is like clearly like heavy-handed. Like At 175, that's probably not the fight you want to take right off the rip. Like, yeah, you fought Kovalev, but, like, Kovalev was old and wasn't really knocking people out like that at that time and was afraid of you. And you knew that. Like, you know, you you have history. You knew, right? So he didn't take the fight because he thought it was easier. He probably thought took the fight because of the two, if I got to fight somebody, I probably want to fight the guy who doesn't have as much knockout power. I like my chances with that one first, and then I'll go tackle that guy next once I kind of have a fight at that weight with somebody who's legitimately at that weight. I don't think it was a cherry pick because he thought he was just going to walk through the guy. I think it was a challenge. I think he knew it was a challenge, but I think he still liked his chances. Why wouldn't he? But I love that Max Kellerman said that because I think it just lets you know that people who really pay attention to boxing weren't shocked at the result. You might be shocked at how it happened. Like Canelo did look bad at times. And I say at times because I think after the second round, I said, yo, Canelo's a bully. Canelo's literally trying to come in there and bully this guy, even though he's a smaller guy. I thought that was like, yo, this is this is his style now. But like I've said before a million times, you go against a guy who's bigger and you keep going against bigger guys. It's only a matter of time before you go against a bigger guy who could take your punches. And then it's a really long night for you. And on this night, he didn't do enough to get the decision. Like I said, Bivol's a good fighter. I thought it was a tough fight before. I didn't like it. I thought, man, if he wins this, like this, what else? You know what I mean? Because this is a guy who can box. This is a guy who's strong. This guy who's big. This is a guy who's fundamentally sound. This is a guy who's legit. If Canelo could get through this, whew, and if he doesn't, like that's just the that's the ceiling for him. That's the ceiling. He could beat a lot of guys at 175, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of guys in the 175 division he could beat. But those top-end guys, I, I just think that they're too big. I do like that Bivol said that Canelo has really good defense. Really good upper body movement and also hits hard. He said, yeah, he hits hard. <laughs> I like that. His punches are hard. That lets me know, like, oh, okay, so it's not a fake thing. Like, Canelo does have power. I think the problem is Canelo has fallen in love with his power too much. And I still think that Canelo goes back down to 168 and beats anybody you put in front of him at 168. You want Charlo to move up to 168? Night, night. You want Benavidez at 168? Nah, no, sorry. Over for you. You want Errol Spence to move up? Night, night. Sorry, Spence. You ain't beating Canelo. I still think Canelo's better than all those guys. One of my biggest problems with this going into it was I think Zone has done a really, really good and bad job of painting Canelo as like this godlike figure. So going into it, it was all about Canelo, Canelo, Canelo. I know that's their cash cow, that's their boy or whatever. But I feel like the coverage of it and, and, and the presentation of it was all about, hey, here's Canelo to do what he does best and get a W. Like announcing that he's going to fight Triple G next. And then after that, we don't really know, but it could be this. And you kind of put the cart before the horse. You kind of put it out there that you were looking at it as if like, yeah, we think Canelo's just going to get through this. Like it's not, We know he's going to do this. It was never like if, you know, we just keep that quiet. We don't care. Afterwards, say it. Have it be a rumor. Never confirm it. 
shoot it down every chance it gets. But like, listen, we're not thinking anything past this. Yes, we have a three-fight deal. We have no idea who's fight, who he's fighting next. It could be a rematch in this. It could be something else. Who knows? We have to wait till after Saturday, and then we'll go over our options. Don't present it as like you think Canelo's just going to walk through this guy, and that's what they did. I don't like that Canelo was the challenger in this fight, and he came out second. I understand he's the cash cow, but come on, man. You, you're propping him up. You're putting the champion in disrespect on the champion and saying we're going to have the other guy come out first or come out second because, you know, he's the bigger star. And then they put him on some stupid little platform and raised it up so he could put his hand up. He looked completely uncomfortable, like he might be scared of heights. I thought that was stupid. It was stupid. It was a lot of fanfare and all that stuff. That's just stupid, man. Get back to basics. I didn't like it. I don't. I didn't like the way the zone was making it. And I know that's the zone's decision because the zone they've always done that with all the. They do it with Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua has a 19-minute ring walk where he stands in front of some fire. <laughs> Some stupid-ass entrance. Like, come get to the ring and let's fight, bro. That's what I miss about Mike Tyson, man. Mike Tyson used to just walk to the ring. <laughs> it's like he didn't want to be there. And he just wanted to get it over with. Mike Tyson walked to the ring like he was walking into the room to get an ass whooping. Like, you just walk in there. Let's do this. Get it over with so I can I can leave. And, and at least it'll be over. But like I said, man, the one thing I noticed about Canelo is I think Canelo developed a bad habit. Um... Of walking guys down and throwing lots of power shots. He was doing the strategy he did against Callum Smith, where I'm going to try to hit your arms to get you to stop throwing that jab out there, and then that's my strategy. And then once I break you down that way, then you'll drop your hands, you'll start to get more defensive, and I could be more offensive, and then I'll just overwhelm you. And if nothing else, the judges will see that I'm beating up on you, and that's it. He tried to punk him. If Canelo had boxed more, I think he could have won the fight. I think if he had tried to box Bivol, I think if he had tried to like be smart about it and not just overpower him, I think he could have won. And I'm not saying necessarily I think he could have won based on anything. But look at the judges' scorecards. They had a 115-113. That could have been flipped for Canelo had Canelo had some of those rounds where he was boxing more so than just stalking. Because if you're a judge, you have no choice but to give the fight or give the, the, the round to Bivol if Bivol's throwing 32 punches and you threw nine. If you didn't knock him down, he's going to get that round every time. Like I have no choice. As a judge, I have no choice. And so I'm not mad at that decision. But had Canelo been a little more boxing conscious, I definitely think he could have won that. 100%. No doubt about it. But he didn't. He didn't use no jab. Mike Tyson came out um, two day, a day or two later and made a little video saying Canelo's mistake was he didn't throw the jab. Had he thrown the jab, he could have done like this. And you saw it and you're like, oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like he should have thrown the jab. He should have tried to box him. That was his plan A and B. His plan A, B, C was overwhelm this guy. And he was so determined to do that. And as he got tired, right, you saw he couldn't really slip the same. He was a little... Half a step slow, started getting caught with some more stuff. Started leaning on a rope, saying, come on in. Like He didn't want him to come in, but he was tired, and he figured this is I can conserve the most energy doing it this way. But in reality, like, nah, man, you should have, your plan B should have been, I'm going to box with this guy. And if nothing else, take the second half of the fight and be a boxing match where you guys are both being technicians and strategists and both throwing jabs and competing for the jab lead, and then all of a sudden let that, let the judges judge that, and whatever happens, happens. 
but he didn't. He stuck with his original game plan, which was overpower him, which is what he's been doing for a while. And I think it's a problem. And I think Canelo needs to go back to the drawing board and get back to boxing. Take advantage of the openings, but also don't give someone the same look. Like, it's kind of like in football where they say for Brady, they say you can't play the same defense from the beginning to the end of the game. You got to give, you got to switch up your looks every once in a while, disguise some things, give him something different. Because if you give him the same coverage, he's going to eat you up. I think someone as skilled as Bevol, if you give him the same strategy, if I'm coming in, I'm going to throw hard shots, I'm going to throw wide, hard hooks to try to get around your guard. He could time you up. He could say, here's this pip, 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 and then he's going to stop, and now I'm going to go, 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 go. And if you're Canelo, you know that too. So you need to change up. So I think if they do have a rematch, I do think there's a way that Canelo can win. And I think it is outboxing. And I know, I know that Bivol said he's willing to drop down to 168 to fight for the undisputed titles that Canelo has. I don't think that's a good idea for either. I think because the problem is if Bivol drops down to 168 and then loses to Canelo, I think it still doesn't, I, I don't think that that makes much sense. Because now he's dropping weight for the first time in his career to go fight somebody. So he's now at a disadvantage. So now if you're Canelo, you're not getting the best B-Vol you could get. I think if you're Canelo and you really want the rematch, you have to do it at 175. You have to do it for his title. You have to do it wherever he wants to do it. You have to play the game that way. Right? And then you have to go in and you have to try to outbox him. I, I do say in the rematch... The the better fighter is always favored. Now, do I think Bivol is a better fighter than Canelo? No, I don't. I think Canelo is a, is a better fighter than Bivol. But styles make fights. And as I said earlier, he's a lot like Triple G in terms of I'm always going to be right here. I can take your punch. I have a really strong good jab that I'm con- con- going to continuously throw out there that's going to give you problems. And if you don't return one at me, I'm going to walk away with this win. So I think in the rematch, Canelo could win if he does throw more jabs and he does do more boxing rather than just trying to walk him down and overpower him. I don't think that strategy is going to work against the bigger guy. I do think that strategy could work against like a Jamar Charlo because I think Charlo's the kind of guy who wants to bang with you. And I think Jamar Charlo's smaller and he's not going to have the same level of power that Bivol has. I don't think he might have the chin. But I will say, man, if you watch that fight, Canelo got a chin. Canelo could take hits. He could take punches. He got hit clean a couple times. And I thought, ooh. And he was all right. He got hit clean from Triple G a couple times. And he was all right. He could take a lot of punishment. I don't blame nothing on his diet. I think that's stupid if you think because he's vegan. He's on a vegan diet. Oh, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe he's off the juice. No, I don't think it's none of that. Don't be stupid. I think you fought a guy who was bigger, who was really skilled. A good big man is always going to beat a good little man. It's always going to happen. Right? Do you think Roy Jones would have beat Lennox Lewis? No. No. It wasn't going to happen. I do hear a lot of people saying that if Canelo wants to go fight Usyk for the heavyweight title, good luck. He's going to get murdered. Again, Styles make fights. I don't think he beats Usyk either. But, God, if he wanted to try it, like... See, that's the thing. For me, For me, the thing is, the reason why I love this also is because Canelo lost trying to do something he had no business doing. 
Canelo as the cash cow of boxing could literally sit back and do exactly what Floyd did and 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 handpick the right opponents at the right time who pose very little threat to him and just live off of this and make forty million dollars every fight and win all these fights and do whatever it is he wants to do. And he's not. He's still fighting people he shouldn't be fighting. He shouldn't be fighting Bivol. <laughs> Let's be honest, he shouldn't be trying to go to 175 and fight at 175. And if he is going to make that jump to 175, he shouldn't be going to fight the title holder. He should be going to fight a lower level guy at 175, fight a couple of those guys, two or three fights, just to get used to the weight. Get used to hitting on guys that big. Get used to being hit by guys that big. Get used to leaning on guys that big and guys that big leaning on you. Do that. Work your way up and then fight for the title. But no, he's the A side. He's Canelo. He can get any fight he wants. He says, I want that guy. And that guy says, sure. I don't think it has anything to do with mentality. I think it has everything to do with skill and size. I think Bivol is a very skilled, bigger guy. And that guy is going to beat Canelo. And there's no shame in that. And as a fan, you don't have to be ashamed. You can walk away saying, yo, he tried it, man. He tried it. And that's not a cop-out. That's not one of those cop-outs. If Canelo had gone out there and, and, and just punked out... And, and tried to run away. Look, I was a guy in the first Triple G fight. I didn't like it because I thought Canelo ran around too much. I thought he did too much dancing. And you could call it boxing. But I thought he kind of avoided Triple G too much. And that second fight when he stood toe-to-toe with him, I loved that. Because even if you lose, nah, we right here. Triple G talked all that trash about, oh, Mexican style, Mexican style, stand here and fight. And Canelo came out and stood right there from the round one till the end, right there in the middle of the ring. Let's go. And I love that as a fan. Whether you win or lose doesn't matter. That's why I loved uh, Robert Guerrero because towards the end of his career, that guy was going to bang out with you whether he could or couldn't. Pacquiao was always going to bang out with you whether he should or he shouldn't. Um, guys like Fernando Vargas was always going to bang out with you. Uh these are the guys I like. Jesse Vargas, he's going to bang out with you, bro. He's not going to worry about protecting. He's going to be an idiot, and he's going to bang out with you, and that's what Canelo is. Canelo's a guy who's going to try things he has no business trying. And as a fan, I'm here for it. Now, what do I think he should do going forward? I think he should drop back down to 168. I think his next fight, should he fight Triple G? <sighs> I Look, I think he, I think he, I think he murders Triple G. I think legitimately, I think coming off of this B-Vol fight, I think if he's smart and if he does what I think he's going to do, I think he does take it kind of back to the basics and start saying, you know what, we need to start setting up our power punches. Canelo's not really setting up power punches. And if he, he's like setting up a power punch with a power punch. You know what I mean? He's setting up uh, uh, the right hook to the body by throwing the left hook to the head. You know what I mean? Or the right hook to the head and then going back down to the body. He's not setting it up with a jab and all this stuff. It's like... I think with Triple G, I think he looks at Triple G as a good surrogate for Bivol. And I think he he tries something on, on Triple G, and I think he uses a jab more. I think he boxes more, and I think he sets up power shots more, and I think he catches Triple G and lays him out, and it's over. I think that's how that trilogy ends. That's my opinion, because that's what I believe Canelo will do. Because I do believe that Canelo will get back to boxing some more and, and kind of get away from that only throwing power. Because I think it's I think Eddie Reynoso is a good enough trainer to say, you know what, we probably got we probably fell in love too much with the power. We probably need to get back to throwing the jab more and setting things up. Because we could have set up Bivol and had a better chance, and we didn't. We kind of just let them know exactly here's what we're doing, and we're going to do this all night. So if you can make an adjustment, if you can get through this, then you know you won the fight. And that's what happened. 
So I, I don't know if he should fight Triple G. I think it'd be a good matchup for him. I think he wins. I don't think he has any problems with Triple G. I just don't know if that's really worth his time, though. You know what I mean? Like, I guess if the money's right. <laughs> maybe, maybe now is the time to fight Jake Paul. Maybe he's been exposed and, and we see that he's not that good. And against a bigger guy, he's going to have trouble. And maybe Jake Paul's the bigger guy that could take him out now. I'm just playing. He still murders Jake Paul. Dimitri Bivol murders Jake Paul. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I don't... I just... Look, man. I mean... An alternate universe, right? There, I, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be impossible for me to think that is this the end for Canelo in terms of is Canelo now going to drop back down to being that guy who's in a lot of competitive fights but is just starting to get some L's. They're going to just start piling up. It's possible. Canelo's fought a lot. Um, and the thing is, is I think his last like five fights have been against all champions. And at some point, man, you just... That's a lot. That's a lot. Like, you have to be impressed with Canelo. As a fan of boxing, you have to be impressed with Canelo. I don't think you can hate you I don't think you can hate on Canelo for what he's done because I think he's 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 fighting champions. Whether you want to say those champions were good or bad, and I see I see a lot of articles come out where they say, Oh, Canelo went to one sixty eight and wiped out a really weak division. Maybe. Maybe. But no one else has done it. No one else was doing it. Canelo was the only person in a position and willing to go there and fight all of the champions to get all of the belts. So you can knock who he beat all you want to, but he beat the champion that was there. That's all you could do, right? He wasn't handpicking some guy because that guy was over there and I'll fight him for the money. It was, I want to fight for the belts. I want to get all the titles. I want to be undisputed at 168. And he did it. He tried to go up to 175 and he talked about wanting to be undisputed at 175. Because he's never going to move down to 160. Like, why would you do that? Once you get to that age, trying to cut weight like that, that's too hard. I'll stay at 168 or I'll move up to 175. And he tried to do it. And he took on the toughest challenge he could have taken on. I think out of Joe Smith or uh, or Better Biev, I think I think Bivol is the better of the three. He already beat Joe Smith. I think I think Bivol beats Better Biev. 100%. So I think he took on the toughest challenge, and it, it just didn't work for him on that night. Um, he looked a little gassed towards the end. He looked like his strategy was just to overpower him. He couldn't do it, and he had no plan B, and he wasn't going to switch from that. He was confident that he could still break him down and beat him late. I think in a rematch, I think he comes in with a different strategy. I think he does come in more boxing. I think he does take a little more time to do that. I wouldn't be mad at a rematch, but I also don't know if much would change. It it it, it would it would ha- you'd have the potential to either a Canelo comes out with a different strategy, it doesn't work, he reverts back to the same strategy and gets frustrated and tries to overpower him, he gets caught with something big, loses the same way again, or possibly gets knocked out, or maybe he comes in with a different strategy, throws Bivol off and catches Bivol with something, and then he could win the fight. But chances are it's probably gonna end much the same. A very close fight. But the edge goes to, to Bivol. So drop back down to 168. Um, get you some cupcake like you did with Angulo. Get back in the winner's circle. Win in impressive fashion. Knock somebody out. Get the crowd going crazy. Get the Mexican, the mariachi bands playing. Get that get that positive vibe back. And then you go fight somebody else like a, uh, like a Charlo. 
Now, let me tell you something. If Charlo Benavides think that they got some spark now to be able to dictate stuff because they feel like, well, Canelo lost, like, I got news for you. Canelo's still the cash cow of boxing. And no real fan of boxing is looking at this fight and saying that this means anything. All it means is Canelo's ceiling is 168. Canelo ain't, can't go up to 175 and dominate the way he does in other places. That's all it says. That's literally all it says. It doesn't say anything more than that. That's my time, y'all. Listen, I want to thank y'all for coming through. Look, I, I, I kind of apologize for making this a boxing-heavy podcast episode. But look the biggest thing that happened in sports for me it's the most interesting thing that happened in sports for me but look we're gonna come back next week we'll get back to our normal schedule program where we're talking about a little more we'll probably have some nba series finished we'll probably be on to the conference finals that's exciting maybe we'll have some new nfl news when we got some mini camps starting up some rookie camps maybe we'll have some some stuff on that maybe just maybe next week we get into uh my top my quarterback's rankings in the NFL. I'm just playing. That's not coming yet. But look, but look, I promise you, come this football season, come September, before the start, I'll say this, before the start of the NFL season, I will have a list of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, 1 through 32, all the starting quarterbacks ranked. I will tell you exactly why they are ranked that way. I'm working on it. I'm just debating if I should do other positions as well, if I do all the positions. I don't know, but we're going to have a big, big episode at the end of summer um, going into next football season, so that's when you find out my rankings. But maybe it'll be some football news. Who knows? But listen, enjoy the games. Enjoy your week. I'll see you all next time.